Oh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 156 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Riley McConnell, and we wouldn't be the Buds and Blue Jays podcast without getting some buds on the show. So today we're bringing in a longtime Blue Jays fan, good friend of ours, a guy who knows a thing or two about the Toronto Blue Jays, and a man who is taking a time off the Leafs game to come join us on the show tonight. It is Jesse 2.0. Jesse Teresa, my guy, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, and it's been a long time waiting. Mm -hmm. Well, glad to have you on. We have a lot to get to on the episode today. On today's episode, we're going to break down the Toronto Blue Jays infielders. We are going to take a deep dive, think what our expectations are for each of these players. Do these players have a bigger upside? What can we realistically expect from all these guys? And so much more. We have the Reese Hoskins signing. We have some Hall of Fame talk and so much more later on this episode. But before we get into it, guys, I do have an announcement I want to make. It is our birthday over here at Buds and Blue Jays. And yes, there's a little party horn to go with it. It was two years ago this week we released our debut episode and still going strong two years after that. What a wild journey it's been so far. Riley, get your word. What a what a ride, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Like, there's been a lot of downs so far on, on, on the show. You know, we're uh, content creators. We're Blue Jays fans first, though, really. So we're going to come out with uh, biased things for the most part. But... Um, like it's it's fun. The end result, though, is obviously we want to be a winning ball club. We want to win a championship. We want to win the division and whatever we can. I'm not saying it's a big disappointment. We're Blue Jays fans. We've been disappointed before. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and then we get an episode like this on our you know whatever birthday. Um, you know, talking about players. And I like episodes like this. Jesse, you've always said it before. Like, I like to dream on these guys. You know, I like mm-hmm. to, you know, we can imagine what these players are going to be like at the, at the top of their game. And that's what we're kind of going to get into today. And is everybody going to be that top level guy? E, after last year, man, I do not think so. But we need our, our big guns to come through, and I, and I hope they do. Because, you know, we'll, we'll throw the projections out there. We'll say what we actually think. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way that this offseason has, has, has kind of broke down uh, over the last, you know, we'll say two months, um, we haven't really made a huge splash. And if it's going to come from our own guys, then, uh, you know, uh, no pun intended. We need guys to step up to the plate in big ways. All right. Well, let's get without further ado, guys. Let's just dive right in. And I think the biggest question uh, referring to the Toronto Blue Jays this year is what will it take to get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. back to his MVP form? And to start this episode, I want to give you a little stat that I looked up on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I've kind of got two. So I'm going to go through them here. The first one, I'm just going to simply read out Vlad's OPS by his years in the big leagues. His rookie season, 722 OPS. The next year, 791. The year after that was his MVP year. He had a 1,002 OPS, followed by an 818 and a 788. I don't know about you guys, but one of those years does sound like a very big outlier compared to all the others. And then I have one more stat I wanted to share. Last season, uh, no player underperformed their expected stats more in baseball than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., his difference in his batting average and expected batting average, fourth most in baseball, slugging and expected slugging, 12th most in baseball, and Woba versus ex-Woba, fifth worst in baseball. So the StatCast data still loves Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So with that stuff in mind, guys, and Jesse, we'll start with you. Just give us your basic expectations for what to expect from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this season. 
Well, I'm definitely hoping he has somewhere in between that MVP caliber and the year after, which would produce well. But realistically, if he isn't hitting, he's not going to be doing much because he's not the best at base running, not yeah. a great defender. So if he isn't hitting, what is he doing? Good point. We do know he has the tools to be one of the best uh, hitters on this team. Do you have like a, a stat line you want to say, like uh, uh, counting stats numbers you expect Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to get at the end of the year? If he isn't do- hitting 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, I don't think uh, hot take. We're not going to make the wild card. Ooh, yikes. Yeah. Wow. Riley, you seem to agree with that. Go on. Yeah. What's your expectation for Vlad? Those, I, I'm, I'm a counting stats guy. 30 mm-hmm. home runs and 100 RBIs out of your big bat is like a minimum. Jesse, you know, we'll talk about the Hall of Fame. We talk, talked about guys, you know, that were the... Oh. Riley, did we lose you? Oh, he got so excited trying to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., that he froze up a little bit. Um, he did talk about trying to hit 30 home runs and having those 100 RBI seasons. Vlad has only hit 30 home runs twice in his career and only has the 100 RBI mark once in his career, and that was in the 2021 season. So if you think he's got to be better than that to get up to our expectations, then it's just been a huge disappointment, Jesse. So do you think he can realistically get there this season? If he has someone to, to protect him like he did the year in 2021 when you had Simeon in front of him, tail yep. behind him, mm-hmm. you need that like protection where you either pitch to Vladdy or you pitch get punished by someone else. Right. Brandon Belt and Matt Chapman weren't the best protection for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. behind the plate. Uh, Riley, now that you're back, go on about the 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. Yeah, that's that's baseline stuff. So, I, you know, weather could be. I don't know. Yep. Whatever. I'm back. And, and Teresa said it the best, like 30 home runs and hundred RBIs is, is bare bones, bare minimum for a middle of the order type of bat, especially when you're talking about Vladimir Guerrero jr. That, that isn't even a question that he should achieve those numbers. We have guys that, that are, you know, that surround him that can, you know, help him get those numbers. The issue is, um, you know, I read a stat. It's like, oh, Vladdy's, um, you know, projected to be the only guy to hit over 30 home runs and not strike out 100 times. And I and I started thinking to myself, like, that's only if they pitch around him a ton, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that pitchers might be less scared of him after what we just saw last year. Um, and that would decrease his, his base on balls. Could increase his strikeouts if he doesn't handle those at-bats properly. And we haven't exactly surrounded him because Bobachet's going to probably be hitting before him in the order is, is my yep. guess. And it should be. Um, so other than that, like you're not going to pitch around Vladdy to get to someone else in the order. Like that's just, or you sorry, you're not going to, you know, pitch to Vladdy, whatever, but I feel like guys aren't like pitchers aren't going to, um, you know, fear him as much as they did maybe in uh, 2021, 2022, just, just based off the, how much of a, like, and I won't say it's a sharp decline, but it's sharp enough where if you look at his statistics, you can go to 2021 and say, okay, this is the outlier, not the bad season is this outlier. 
Yeah, and we saw last season, too, that pitchers were learning how to pitch to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, there were soft spots in his swing where you could get to and you could get him out. He wasn't the force. Like, in that MVP season where every time Vlad stepped into that box, you were like, he's going to do some damage. And if you got him out, you got lucky. We need that guy back. Now, for what it's worth, we have seen some videos of him doing his training already. He does look like he's taking some practice swings. An Instagram video coming out of him. His swing did look a little different. We talked a few episodes ago about how they recognized the flaw his swing and how the mental game for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could get better. We think all that stuff is leading in the right place for a very successful season for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I ask you both this, and Jesse, we'll start with you. What is the upside? If everything does go good for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year, how high can it be? It's MVP or bust if that's the upside because you don't have to deal with Otani anymore, whereas it guarantees yeah, low. Good call. Yep. And anyone else can't really compete with the power that comes from his bat. Okay, so you're thinking what? 50 home runs is possible for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Would you even go higher than that? Because no one hits the ball as hard as Vlad does on a consistent basis. If Vladdy gets the ball in the air, I can see 50, maybe even 60. 60, wow, that would be so nice. Riley, how about you? What is the upside for Vlad and what he can do this year? 60 would be, in, it, 60 would be insane. Um, for him to even achieve 50, like it's... There is a huge, you know, elephant in, in the room for his swing. And that is, that is guys, the, the launch angle in which he is connecting with these baseballs. Because, yeah, he's a strong dude. He hits the baseball, you know, as hard as anybody in the league does or ever has. Like, he has that type of potential. Um, there's just so much almost that has changed in and his swing and his, the swing dynamic and how he approaches, you know, an at-bat, that I think, you know, he could almost change things up a bit. Like, he is a great all-fields-type hitter when he wants to be. And, you know, is it time to switch up? Maybe be a 45-doubles-type guy. He could be that. Um, power to the alley. Um, there's the thing is with him is he's still so young. He's he's developing at the major league level, and he has proven to you know everyone in major league baseball that he can play at an absolute MVP type level. I mean, it doesn't get any closer than second place votes. Doesn't get any closer than tied with Sal Perez for for leading can they get home runs? There's a lot of a lot of things to like about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I just really don't like what I've seen with, you know, how the last couple years have kind of really taken sharp, sharp slope down. And yeah, he's still a very good player, but he doesn't scream to me first base esque type numbers, especially when it is him. I mean, he has simply got to be better this year for the mm -hmm. Blue Jays to be successful and to put together good wins. Because if he goes cold, I mean, Look, the guys that we have in our in our lineup right now, you know, all the power to guys like Davis Schneider um, and and Biggio, but like they, yeah. they who we're gonna they get to later in the episode, they, they don't carry a team. Vladdy can carry yeah. a team if he's good. He needs to be very very good this year for the Blue Jays to be successful. Okay, I just have one stat I do want to share before we uh, go into projections. What we think is going to happen here? I stole this from a FanGraphs article that was just written about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And it's in the past 100 years, only 10 players in the American League or National League have posted full season with a 300, 400, 600 flash time at age 22 or younger. Um, 
Five of them are in the Hall of Fame. Ed Williams, Jimmy Fox, Mel Ott, Joe DiMaggio, and Eddie Matthews. Ones that are not Hall of Famers are soon to be Hall of Famers. Elvin Pujols is one, and Alex Rodriguez is another, who if it wasn't for the steroid stuff, should be there. The other three players on that list, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and well, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, Vlad needs to prove he is in that category of player, or else we are, I don't want to say doomed as a franchise, but we're not going to reach our expectations here. Yeah, we need we need those tools to click. Those are some good names, by the way, uh, Jesse. A lot of those guys, if not all of them, are are Hall of Fame type guys. So I know there's a lot on Vladdy's shoulders, but um, I think hey, it's put up it's um, you know put up or shut up time for him coming in 2024. And uh, I think yeah, I think he's capable of doing it. But I guess it comes down to we will see what happens. All right, guys, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. projected for a 286, 360. 28 with 36 home runs and a 4.1 war. Jesse, we'll start with you. Is he going better than that or worse than that? As much as it pains me, I'm going to say worse just because I'm not very sold because, again, he has more ground balls like a second baseman like uh, Arias than yeah. put the ball in like a slugger. And double plays too. I think he had 20 last year, but that launch angle would be better. Riley, how about you with that stat line? Um, are you taking the over or the under? I'm going to take. Um, I would take. I would take over for some categories, and I would take under for some, just to avoid being difficult. I'm going to uh, just absolutely play the Blue Jays fan of me and take the suspense. I'm assuming you're taking the over here, Riley, on, on that lines, because well, the Blue Jays honestly, they kind of need it coming into this season here. I assume that's where you're going, Riley. Yeah, uh, yeah, we need. We absolutely need it. I, I like not by much, but. I'm taking the over because we do we do need this team to I would even say get 90 wins. Okay, I'm with you on that too. And the fans, Riley, uh, they agreed. We ran a Twitter poll, and uh, ooh, maybe I lost it on the screen. There. Fans did agree. They do think a better season is coming, or that line is just right for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All right, let's move on to our next player here. Forget the echo. We're trying to work on that here on this screen, but um, that is Bobichet, guys. My fun stat on Bobichet is a lot about over the last few years, but no player in Major League Baseball has more hits over the last three seasons than Mr. Bo Bichette. Last season, he had 306, 339, 470, um, yeah, 475, 20 home runs, a 1.5 plus a 3.84 in his 135-game season. Jesse, we'll start with you. What are your expectations for Bo Bichette this season? Realistically, I think Bo's going to be the true MVP of the Jays this year. I feel like he's going to hit nice. uh, finally his 200 hits in the season, and I feel like he could possibly be a seven-war uh, player this year. Seven-war season. Wow. Wow, Riley. You seem to be in agreement with this. What are your expectations for I love Bo Bichette and what he can do. Um, 200. Like He would have had 200 hits last year. I, I came into the projections for last year, whatever. I, I said he was going to get 200 hits last year. He got hurt. Like, knock on wood, he stays healthy. He'll get that. He'll get that mark. Bo Bichette is just such a good, pure hitter, bat on ball. And I love the ability that he, he you know, can hit the ball and hit the ball with power to all fields. His defense is getting a ton better. Um, there's a there's a lot to like about Bo Bichette. And I'm 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 with you, Teresa. I'm gonna say that Bo Bichette, looking back at the 2024 season, has better numbers. Um than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And like not trouncing numbers by any means, 
But numbers that you look and go, wow, like we're going to compare these two guys. And it was Bo Bichette all along. Now, no one would have thought, you know, Vladdy would take steps back. I'm not saying he's going to take a tremendous, you know, step in any direction this year. But the way that Bo Bichette is progressing through his major league career, there is a lot to like about this player. And as far as being uh, bad on ball guys with just the right pinch of power in his bat, I mean, there's 40 doubles for you. There could be 30 mm-hmm. home runs, 300 batting average, 200 hits. We know Bo's plate tendencies doesn't it doesn't take a lot of pitches. He's an aggressive swinger, but you know what? He is showing that he can. He's shown a lot of great things. Uh, he has here. Uh, oh. Yeah. So Jesse, you talked about uh, a seven war season potentially coming from Bo Bichette. I I do think it's in the range of outcomes. There is a chance this could happen. In order for him to reach that seven uh, seven war plateau. His defense is going to have to take another step forward, which we saw last year. And the base running is going to have to come back from Bobachette. He only stole five bags last year. Um, how confident, I guess, that both those things, the defense and speed, the threat on the base path, can come back from Bobachette? Well, I think definitely uh, his speed has been uh, shown in videos of him working on the speed and all that in some of the training videos I've seen. And with his defense too, working with other players in that lab, I feel like it'll just sky's the limit with him because I real always thought he was the cornerstone of this franchise over Vladdy. Yeah, and there were players last season. I remember when Bobachet got hurt, it was over three weeks. There were some players that were saying, we just lost our player and it was supposed to be Vladdy. It hasn't been Vladdy. It has been Bobachet over the last few years. I'm really the question to you then. Do you think that, that, that speed can come back with, uh, with Bobachet? I don't think so. I think speed is something, you know, starts off early in, in careers and, and goes downhill. Um, and, and, and it's weird in his case because he is a young, a young player. And you would think that, you know, speed would still be part of his game. Um, there is a chance for, for steals to happen. You could take the Whit Merrifield approach. Now, Whit Merrifield doesn't have one of the most elite sprint speeds in baseball. Whit Merrifield is just a good base runner. You know, whether Bo picked up on any of that from Whit Merrifield or not, um, he's still, you could still steal bases. You don't have to be an absolute blazer um, on the base pass. You have to be a smart base runner and a good base runner. Um, I don't personally think Bo Bichette is really either. I think he's pretty average as, as far as that goes, regardless of mistakes. Um, but I don't think that, that hurts us too much for him to be a shortstop with it's shortstop with average or just below average foot speed. He's got a lot of other excellent tools in his, his game. What my, my thing with speed is his first kind of his first step um, on a ground ball, his ability to react to a ground ball. I think his range is fine. If anything, average um, for him to, you know, take that step in the, in the seven war direction. Um, I think, I, I think he could probably do it on, on, having creditable and, and good defense um, and, and the DS defensive run saves and things like that and, and being able to track baseballs well. But again, um, our value with Bo is, is at the plate and, and we know that. And we're going to see yeah. a better defensive Bo this year. And, and, and the base running is whatever. As long as you're an average, smart, don't make mistakes kind of um, kind of base runner, then, then I have no problem with 
you know, a lower in, in decreasing speed. Because I doubt there's ever a time where Bull Bichette will really be a liability on the base pass, unless okay. in, unless injuries, of, of, of course. But I'm fine with the below average sprint speed. I think the only way that Bobachette can get to that seven war season is if he's got to draw some more walks. I want to see that plate discipline without him losing the bat to ball skills and the contact approach that he has. If that does happen, look out because Bobachette can be in for a monster season. Guys, the projection for Bobachette 292, 335, 480, 24 home runs, and a four war. Jesse, we'll start with you. Over or under that prediction? Way over. I definitely think, like I said, I think he can be a seven war player. Seven war player. And Riley, how about you? Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the over too. You have you have to, you have to. He's going to be he's going to be a machine. I hope he starts off hot and gets right out of the gate. This is a guy who I expect to get MVP votes this year. I, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over seven war would be excellent. I, I'm gonna say anywhere between five and a five around five and a half would be would be superb. Six is even even that much better. All right, sounds good for us. Uh, I agree, and the fans agree with you as well here. Uh, not a single vote on the fan thought he was going to be worse than that. Every single one thought he would have a better next year. Uh, moving on to our next player, and this is a very interesting one. That is Davis Schneider. And uh, my interesting stats for Davis Schneider, he swung and missed at more than 53% of the fastballs he at last year. That was a top five freight on fastballs. But he also slugged 742 on the fastball teammate contact. I have no idea what to do with this. This might be David Schneider is one of those all power, the all guts, all glory type of people. We've given Dan Ugla the comp for um, David Schneider a lot. But, um, I'll go with you guys. What are your expectations for David Schneider going into this season? I think he'll be more familiar with the like pitchers and like the uh main like major league level pitching and like that environment where it's not a shock. Mm-hmm. But my comparison to him isn't Dan Ugla. I think he's more of a Brian Dozier style player. Yeah, so a similar type of uh, power over bat, you know, similar frame. I like that comp. Riley, what about you? Uh, David Schneider is a big X factor for this team. He could be awesome. Back in Buffalo by June. Um, so, what are your expectations for, uh, for Davis Bacon Schneider this year? Uh, I mean, for a guy who's only compiled, um, you know, a short time in the major league, it's it really is tough to say um, mm-hmm. what he's going to do. It, like, or even if he's an everyday player, let's go with Jesse. Let's let's pretend for a second that we go into next year knowing that he's going to play a uh, hundred and forty games. Okay, okay. and. And right off the bat, you think, you know, 130 games or 140 games at second base with a guy who possesses quite a bit of pop in his bat. Yes, there's a lot of swing and, and miss in his game. Um, I, I, I'll i just say right off the bat, I don't necessarily think that he's ever going to be a high average type guy. Uh, and I will take that out of a second baseman drafted in the 28th round. Um if, if there's ever a time where he gives me 25 home runs from the second base position um, in 140 games and, you know, still puts together a 250 average, you know, a 340 on base and a, a slug basically, you know, I'm, without getting into too nitty gritty numbers. I mean, David Schneider started off the, the best he could, the best start in Major League history and all this and that. Okay, that's fine and dandy. That got his foot in the door. 
Um, the league, you know, we took the league by storm and it was like, wow, okay. Uh, and before we had, you know, already a plethora of, of second baseman. And it's now like, okay, now we got another guy to throw into that mix, into that equation for at-bats. And I just hope that, you know, if he is the guy that we go with, we don't screw with him. Because, you know, we'll get into the other guys soon enough. But if, if Davis Schneider goes into spring training and lights it up and starts off the year hot, then, like, sayonara kind of to the other guys. Because I like to have a full-time guy um, at almost every single position if I can. Like, you don't yep. see World Series teams, like, maybe one guy platoons. I'm not saying we're a World Series teams, but we need to go in with kind of that mentality that we are a playoff team or we'll never we'll never amount to a playoff team. Um, so Davis Schneider, if he can get in his reps, if he can put together a good spring training, like uh, 25 home runs um, with some good power numbers. He can hit almost, you know, anywhere in the order. I think, uh, you know, Schneider had him batting wherever in, in, in the batting order for the blue Jays kind of all over the place when he was, when he was input in the lineup, but he's a, he's a tough guy to really track down because he has had such limited time at the major league level. But I think that there'll be some good things. I'm not going to say he's going to go off on a hot start, but overall, like if he is to play a full year, 25 home runs, you know, 80 driven in, I'm not going to be blazing on the base pass. Second base defense, I don't even really care about. Like, for the most part, like, get, like I'll take a, hey, I'll take a bat, honestly. I'll take a bat yeah. over a guy who. And the Jays play. need it. The Jays need a high impact we, bat. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, let's, uh, we can't win every game two to one with these great defenses. Like, I want some big boys in the middle of this hoarder driving in runs. And I don't want to get on that too much. But yeah, David Schneider is set to have a pretty good year if he gets the playing time. All right, Jesse, what about you? Uh, give us your expectations for Davis Schneider. What do you want to see out of the uh, second baseman this year? I definitely agree with Riley. With, with the 25 home runs, 80 RBIs, that'd be great. But again, another hot take. I don't think he'll finish the season with the main roster. Yeah, so you think he's going to get sent down to Buffalo? Because that's a very real possibility for Davis Schneider. Or do you think he's going to be great? I feel like he's going to be, again, like I said, hot. I like the hot takes. I'm a, I'm a spicy guy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Him and a player to be named later in this episode will be sent, to, sent out of Toronto for a nice piece. Thanks. There is some merit. Snyder did battle a ton of strikeout issues last season. I want to remind you guys that no player in Major League Baseball had a higher percentage of pitches outside of the zone called strikes against them than Davis Schneider did last year. Uh, law of averages just says that's got to change. And if Davis Schneider is getting better pitches to hit, we know he can crush the pitches that he has given. I'm expecting great things, guys, for Davis Schneider. I like the 25 home runs. The projections only have him for a, a 232, 339, 420 with 16 home runs and a two-war season. This might be the Blue Jays homer in me, guys, but I think way higher for Davis Schneider, and I think it'll be sooner rather than later he is a high-impact piece on this team. Do we agree? I, I, I definitely. I, I mean, he's not. I mean, I mean, what? He's got a 175 OPS plus as of right now. Yeah. That's well, that's not, not going to stay. That's but yeah, not going to stay. But basically, a guy who is five percent better than league average at the position of second base would be great. Would be great. 
110 even. Like, well, 110 is more, but I mean, like, this guy, if he, you know, if he can hit, if he can recognize the pitch that is his belt, middle of the zone, and not get those calls, if he's not shafted on the calls outside of the zone, then I think that he'll have success. And Jesse, what about you? Uh, upside for Davis Schneider. If he's not in Buffalo, how high do you think he I definitely see him late. Again, if he has 20 home runs, drives in around 70, 70 RBIs, that'll be a perfect uh, spot to put him below the, like near the bottom of the order, like around the six, seven hole. So we have a pocket down below, not just up top with the big boys. Boy, the Blue Jays really need to explode and in a big way this season. Uh, let's move on to our next player, guys. And I guess we're going to move on to Kevin Biggio, who this is now his fifth year with the team. He is turning 29 years old, too. I don't think we realize how old Kevin Biggio has gotten. And here is my interesting stat on Kevin Biggio last year. Kevin Biggio was one of only three major league players with 300 plate appearances to not hit into a double play last year. And we know how the double plays have really plagued the Toronto Blue Jays last season. Um, the fact that Biggio never hit into one is amazing. And I just want to point out, guys, the second half Kevin Biggio put together last season after the All-Star break. 272, a 404 on base percentage. Now, he did only slug 361, only hit two home runs. But... He cut his strikeout percentage by 10%. His walk percentage went up 8%. Two things I love to see correlate with each other. The line drive rate went up 13%. The OPS went up 100 points. The exit velocity number were the best they've been since the rookie season. Um, and we saw that John Schneider was playing Kevin Biggio a lot more in the second half. And I think part of the reason the Toronto Blue Jays haven't gone out and signed a one of the high-impact third basemen or made a big trade for one yet is there is belief in Kevin Biggio and what he can do. Um, Riley, we'll start with you. What are the expectations for Kevin Biggio going into this season? I mean, there aren't too many expectations with, with Kevin Biggio. And I'm just going to throw it an obvious, you know, kind of thing that a tool that he may or may not possess that some other guys on the squad don't. And, you know, he's had, he's had 1600 plate appearances at the major league level. He holds a 229 batting average. Um, over over that time period, 229. That's relatively, that's very low. But his on base mm -hmm. percentage, 345. So yeah. that's always that's been the, the game for Biggio. That that is the game. I mean, we look at the, these numbers and say like, oh, the elite eye, and maybe the the eye might be so elite, but Riley's internet connection is not so elite right here. Like Kevin Biggio. Jesse, we'll move on to you then while Riley works on getting his internet back up. Um, what are your expectations? This season. By seeing it, how he was playing in the second half, again, the power wasn't there, but he has been close saying that he was working on keeping his bat in the plane longer instead of his uh, giant uppercut swing. Yes, which so, was noticeable. Which uh, was shown noticeable, plus his, I, I would consider him a gold glove possible defender. Mm -hmm. he, I feel like the limit is, like, I'll say he'll be a bottom, order, bottom of the lineup in the order. But his leadership that he's learned from his dad and all his dad's former teammates, he will be the one, like the unsung hero, I feel like, for the Jays. Like with that uh, walk off against the Twins last year with the bat drop, he will be the like that unsung hero that could save the Jays in like a winner take all game. Don't you feel like going on to your point there that Kevin Biggio just has a massive 
postseason moment like destined to him. Like it's going to happen. I feel like he's going to be one of those guys tying home run in game three we're down by two like that um i just kind of how i put that but riley you got cut off the last one expectations for a cap here yeah and i would actually say uh jesse that um as far as clutch guys have been i would say that Kevin biggio has been more clutch than a lot of guys um on this team but this is a guy and Teresa said it a bottom of the order type bat but there's a lot of, you know, it's 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 past the baton when you get to the bottom, bottom of the order. Yes, you can still drive in runs at the bottom of the order, but the idea, you know, for me anyways, has always been, you know, you're, you're seven, eight guys, you know, you got to um, get on base. You got to basically not produce outs. That's grounding. That could be grounding into double plays or, or, you know, just producing unnecessary outs. And so one thing he does well, you know, pitch selection, recognizing pitches. You know, he's not going to burn you. I, I I don't think we see it, a 20 home run season probably ever out of Kevin Biggio. That's fine. But I like the idea if that he, when he plays at his best, he can be one of those guys to get the lineup turned back over, getting on base. You know, if someone co- basically comes behind him and doesn't ground and do, do a double play, Biggio being yep. um, a left-handed bat as well, I like. Um, you know, can hit behind runners, things like that. Um, these are all good things. The ability to play de- different defensive positions. Um, I just don't know how it would look over 145, 150 games from. That's the problem, I, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know if he he is our guy in in that in that in the aspect of like. If, if he was our second baseman and he put up those type of numbers as a hitter, sure, that is a league average second baseman. But a third baseman, you know, we need we need more power out of a third baseman. And uh, Jesse, that's why I have no problem platooning him. But right. I, I don't know if he should be. I, I, I know I was torn back and forth. I'm kind of set on like I would be fine with him starting games at third base. But like starting forty games at third base, right? And, and uh, he and, did and, look better. To Jesse's and, point, he did look better in the outfield as a defender oh, yeah. in right field, covering for George Springer last year. I'd expect to see more of that this season. He did have a higher WRC plus against lefties last year than he did against righties. Um, I don't think anyone predicts that to continue, but just pointing that out. Um, Jesse, what's the upside for Biggio? Because he kind of seems like that player he is. Can he get back to that guy he was in his rookie season? Or is just this the league average Kevin Biggio the guy we're going to get? I definitely hope that, but this might sound crazy, but I feel like Biggio is this version of the Blue Jays of what John McDonald used to be with the Jays. Like that versatility, not much power, can play solid defense when needed. But he's just there to make like that. Uh, how can I say like the sure say qual of like okay sure being able to like give that what whatever the team needs to get on base or steal a base or even get hit by a pitch. The guy who does the little things that Blue Jays fans have loved for years, right? Yeah, like the, just that little small like the un, uh, unsung hero stuff, like uh, how I call consider him. Okay. Um, the projection for Kevin Vigio, 229, 334, 369, 11 home runs in one more season. Are we going higher or lower, boys? I want to put that almost right right there, what you said, and say like that's that's probably pretty accurate. Um, yeah. For the, for the sake of it, I'll say I'll say lower. 
in hopes that um, the aggregate comes from uh, other guys, David Schneider, Isaiah kind of Falefa, like guys like guys like that. I would say lower, um, just based off merit of how Biggio has been, and say that it you know it's spread out a little more evenly, but not by much. I don't think Biggio is a, a, a big liability for this team. Uh, Teresa, you said it. I love a Johnny Mack type infielder guy. He doesn't. Like on, honestly, those those are the lunchbox type guys that we grew up loving as Jays fans. And if Biggio's one of those guys, hey, that's that's fine. Then we have to realize that, and we lower ex- our expectations significantly because of that. I mean, John McDonald could go out and, and go, you know, over four with a pop out and three Ks. Um, but we're not. I'm not going on the car ride home saying how much I dislike that guy. I think, dang. I wish that I wish that guy had a better game. You know, we have to lower our expectations a little bit if we're if we're gonna talk about Biggio as as the true platoon guy that I think he probably is. He can start he could start a lot of games for us, but he's not a superstar by any means. Um, and and he has to produce in his part in the lineup, turn that lineup over to guys like Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He is an X factor for the Toronto Blue Jays for sure. Uh, we have two more guys we really got to talk to. We do not have to spend much time on either of those ones. But the first guy here, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Look, we got to talk about him. He was the first big move the Blue Jays made. Uh, my fun fact on Isaiah Kiner-Falefa: he posted a career best in average exit velocity last season, just slightly above league average, and his hard hit rate at thirty nine point two percent, where league average is thirty six point three percent. And he crushed four seam fastballs to a three oh nine expected batting average and a four sixty four expected slug, but that's about all it gets good for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He was 45th out of 46 qualified third base when we brought up that stat. When we did the Isaiah Kiner-Falefa standing, go back and look to it there. He is going to play a ton of positions for this team. We could have probably thrown him in with the outfielders, but we threw him here because as of now, he's probably going to get a ton of reps at third base. In fact, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro both iterated that there is a lot of playing time for third base for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa this season. Um, we don't have to spend much time in it, guys, but Jesse, we'll start with you. Expectation for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa this season? Definitely better than last year. But with those, I uh, hope so. <laughs> I don't really have much expectations. I I just really want more him for the defense. Like If he can give defense and not be full of errors at third, I'll be happy. He did complete more plays than Matt Chapman did last year. And yes, Chapman was really good at getting two balls and have his range was excellent. He just, a lot of infield dribblers to Matt Chapman, he didn't quite field. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was um, excellent. He was elite at that. Anytime the ball hit to him, it got turned into an out. So keep an eye on that. But Riley, what's your expectation for IKF this season? And it comes down to the <clears throat> the lack of their expectations. Um, mm. I wasn't fussy about this signing to begin with this team has really good defense as it is. And I know the, I know it seems are the root of this team, but he's played, you know, basically service time just over six years, right? Cause he hit free agency six years of service time, essentially. And 26 career home runs. That's just not and like I, five of them I, off the blue Jays for what it's dude, worth. And, and, and if, and he's going to get time at third base, I just, went on a spiel on on how, you know, we got a premium position in third base open that's, in my opinion, a power position. The corners are for power. And we got a guy who's great at fielding dribblers. Like, that is fine and dandy. <laughs> that, is, that is all fine and dandy, man. But we got, like, 
we got so many good defensive outfielders. We got just good enough in the in the infield, man. Our pitchers are fantastic. Like I really feel like we're going to win and lose games two to one, like this year, and it's going to yep. drive me nuts because there are so many holes in this batting order, and Isaiah Kiner Falefa is, I think, one of those holes. Like I do mm-hmm. not know where to slot him in. Yes, I've seen him play. I, you know, I actually thought he was decent. Um, for the for the Rangers in the in the COVID seasons, that's the I think that might be the most I've ever spent on this guy. And, and he oh, you're gonna to, get a lot this season, Riley. Uh, I yeah, I know. And he goes to the Yankees, and I really don't want to pay too much peace of mind how like how he does performance wise because it's the Yankees. But um, I, like I just know that the bat isn't really there, and the the defender is. I can read the stat line for uh, what the projections are for Isaiah kiner Falefa, but I don't really want to do that. It's depressing. It's bad. Um, I just want to try to guess the number of plate appearances you think um, uh, that Isaiah kiner Falefa is going to get this year. I think he had 314 or so, give or take, last year. Um, Jesse, do you think he's going to get more than that or less than that for this Blue Jays team this year? I think for the time, I think he'll be just over, uh, just over that. Because I feel like one of the boys, the one of the Buffalo boys, as I call him, will be up. Yeah, which we'll talk about next. And I'll I'll go further into that. Who I think will be our true third baseman. Okay. And Riley, plate appearance for Isaiah kind of fluff it. Does it get over or under that three fifteen he had last year? Um, I think it's I think it's gonna be um under. I think it's gonna be under. Which, I hope is, so. which, which sucks. Which Jesse, which sucks. I hate to say it, man, but there's not a lot of like there's just not a lot of things I like about this guy as far as what he can do at the plate. Um, and, and I've talked about guys, was giving guys the benefit of the doubt for not being a liability. I think that this guy is a liability at the plate, especially yeah. if we went out and spent money on him in free agency. It is what it is. Uh, I hope I put my foot in my mouth because of saying this stuff, because we really do need the help on offense. Yeah, and we don't need to spend much time with it. Our uh, our fans agree with you. They they think that line is just about right for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. One more infielder before we get to the Buffalo guys. Guys, we don't even need to spend three minutes on this one. He might not even be with the team, as Jesse alluded to earlier this year. Um, but that is Santiago Espinal, and we know the story. He went down from seven home runs to two home runs. His uh, My fun stat, if you will, a fun fact on Santiago Espinal is that he went from fielding runs above average to being a good defender last year at 6.2 to negative three last year and um, he was not good. The power went away. If you're not a good base runner, if you're not a good defender and you're not a good hitter, I don't understand what you're doing on this team. Um, real quick, Jesse, expectations for Espinal if he's still kicking around. He's not even going to make it through spring training. That's my expectation. Oh there's, a, oh, there's a take. It's possible. The Blue Jays make a big move. They need a 40 spot. He's probably not the first guy to go, but he's probably there. Riley, how about you? Trade, trade, him, trade him away, man, honestly. Like, see if we can get something for him. I don't know. I'm not out of any of the guys that are our middle infielder type guys. Espinal has really taken the sharpest decline since being called a first half all-star because that's all it has really been in his career. You want to talk about the six good weeks that Kirk had. We we joke about that. It's the same deal mm-hmm. for Espinal. He's not had an exceptionally good career. And again, what's going to help this team win with what we... And if he's not a good defender, whoa! Espinal's not a good defender all of a sudden. Get him off this team. We, we don't yeah, want yeah. we we don't want even an average defender on this team. It's gold glove or bust, it seems like. But the fact is that <laughs> Espinal's not gonna produce a lot of power. And if you're telling me that we go through, like, say, uh, we got Isaiah Kiner Falefa, 
um, then Biggio and then Espinal in the our, our seven, eight, nine guys for a game in the bottom of the order. Like that's that I'm not saying that's like worst case, worst thing ever, but that's tough. That is mm-hmm. tough. You like you, I, I'm hoping for a couple hits out of one of those guys to get that lineup turned back over. Not in love with Espinal, never really have been, but um, again, we'll see if he even makes the team out of spring or if he's still on this team. Um, you know, before we uh, go to opening day. 40% hard hit rate when swinging at the first pitch. And I did a lot of digging on Espinal to try to find something good to say about the offensive profile. And that's all I could come up with. Look, thank you for the good run we had at the 2021 season. You got an all-star appearance. Good job. Um, Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, We'll see you on the other side, Espinal. Let's talk about the Buffalo boys now, because uh, Jesse, you brought it up and there's actually some very interesting names here. And we bet that one of these guys is probably going to get a big run, especially a big look out of spring training. So I just have a bunch of extra Blue Jays infielders we should probably mention here. And I guess I'll get you each to pick kind of two out of the seven names that you think are going to provide a big impact here. But those names... Otto Lopez, Ernie Clement, Domino Palagani. I I can never get that name right. I will one of these days. Addison Barger, Spencer Horowitz, or Elvis Martinez are all projected to get at least 100 plate appearance with the Blue Jays this year. Um, Jesse, we'll start with you, including who you think the real third baseman on this team is going to be. Give me two names you think are really going to jump out and perform an impact this year. If the Jays don't sign a DH, it has to be Horowitz. But the third baseman is going to be Barger. The power left versatility, but he will probably play, I'll say, once the his uh, window, like the big deadline for the uh, player development time, he's going to be our everyday third baseman for the rest of the year, and possibly super hot take, rookie of the year, AL. Oh, I would love that. The Blue Jays desperately need another rookie of the year here. Um, I like it. Remember in spring training when he was just the talk of spring? And he was going really good. Um, but the arm looks healthy. We've talked about Addison Barger before. We'll talk about him in the prospect episode coming up in a few weeks here. I love that call. I love that take. Boy, that left-handed uppercut swing with a big leg kick is going to be so fun to see. Um, I'm very much on board with that. Riley, out of those names there, do you have a name or two that you uh, you wanted to see? That you yeah, think actually, like, honestly, Jesse actually stole mine. And I love it because <laughs> I feel like that is the correct answer. I, I love Addison Barger and what he did in spring last year, first of all. And I love the, the two lefty bats. And I like the type of player that Barger is. I like the positions that he can play. I like the style of his game. I feel like he's going to – like, he's not going to, but he could be a big impact type guy. Um, he, he hits the baseball hard when he squares that thing up. Mm-hmm. And if he can, if he can hone in and basically, you know, if they tell him like, you're our, you're our third baseman, like figure it out defensively. I'm sure that he can handle that. As far as Horowitz goes, we don't have a Brandon belt anymore. Horowitz can play a little bit. Of and I'm, I'm like, I'm fine with Horowitz being another left-handed bat on the team. As far as guys go like Ralvis Martinez, like there, there is no real rush on him. I would hate to see him get stale. In AAA, there was always time. I think he starts off the year down there. Same with Ricky Tiedemann. And then we'll go from there. But as far as yeah. guys that can make an impact and make an impact off the bat, if there's two spots on the on the roster to start the year, Horowitz and Barger, if they're looking good, if there's one, Barger is, 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 you know, has a lot of potential to be uh, the third baseman. And I think that is an important position to address. 
And I think, yeah, it's, there is a non-zero chance that he could take home rookie of the year. I hope he goes on a hell of a run because we saw what he did in the spring. We didn't really see him since then, but I think that we're going to see a lot of Addison Barger this year. And I think he's going to produce a lot of good things at the plate. If Addison Barger does win rookie of the year this season, you heard it here first in this January episode of Buds and Blue Jays, which is very good to know here. Um, my picks is I do really like Orlovis Martinez. I love the adjustments he made when he got to Buffalo. Um, they had him playing a lot of second base there. And just like Addison Barger, they had him playing a lot of right field when he was down there. So look, Springer's going to have to spend more time at DH. There is a natural fit here that they could come up and do that. And I want to show shout out some love to Damiano Pal- Palagani, who I swear I will get his name right before the start of the season. He was an Arizona Fall League All-Star last year. He did tear it up. Um, he has been climbing the Blue Jays prospect charts. And sometimes this is all it takes. A guy just finds something that clicks and he's able to come up and he is able to go. Um, so those are my two names. But I agree with you. Spencer Horwitz, I think, very underrated. And Blue Jays fans aren't talking about him enough. Uh, we'll get into him, I guess, when we get into our prospects episode in a few weeks. But just, um, just... A quick thought there. Uh, Jesse, did you want to give a shout out to like an Otto Lopez, a Leo Jimenez, a Josh Kasevich, even any of those guys or it's just, they're not going to make a huge impact this year. I don't think they're going to make an impact, but I still, from my question of last week on your last week episode, bringing it back mm-hmm. for the, prospect, I think we'll jump a lot this year after a few years, uh, like after the one year in the low way is Tucker Toman. I've yeah, always been, always been a Tucker I've been a fan since he was bo- even before we even drafted him. I think he will possibly push, uh, go through double A and possibly even reach triple A this year. He's going to have to take a big step back because he was disastrous in his first year. But, you know, a big life change for a guy who is still incredibly young and still incredibly toolsy. He did make Baseball America's top 30 prospect as number 30, so they aren't giving up on the upside. Uh, Riley, how about you? Just another name there you want to just th- throw a dart at? I, you know what? Uh, Leo Jimenez has been in our system for quite some time now and hasn't had the easiest line of progression with just the guys surrounding him. I mean, it's tough to beat out guys like that, but I feel like, you know, um, whether he is a career minor leaguer or not, he's great for organizational depth. And Mm -hmm. we're here how, I mean, he might've been uh, international free agent, what we'll say 2017, 2018. I'm sure it's somewhere around there. Regardless, um, we're still talking about him. Like, we're still talking yeah. about him as if there's a chance. So, I mean, good for him because he's definitely not a blue-chip guy. I've all, I always like that type of guy. As I said before, David Schneier, 28th-round pick or whatever it was. Like, there's always a chance whether you're, you know, a shoe-in or a long shot. Um, we got a good minor league system. Um, okay, as far, yeah. You know, we got a great minor league system, guys like that. And we're going to move on to something else here, but that is our wrap up of the Blue Jays infielders. Some good discussions here, boys. Um, I think we did a good job of breaking down all these players. I like what we had there. We do got to talk about some news that happened around baseball this week, including a big one. And that's Reese Hoskins signed a contract with Milwaukee. Um, He was a big rumor for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a guy I really thought we were going to get. I think he just decided he wasn't going to get to play first base full time in Toronto. He would probably be our primary DH. And I think that's why he chose to go to Milwaukee, but Two years, $34 million for Reese Hoskins, a guy who didn't play at all last year. I think this is starting the tone in the DH market where we talked a lot in the last few episodes about the Blue Jays are going to be players in this DH market. Maybe this gets the ball rolling on Jorge Soler. Jesse, I know you've been messaging me a lot about this, say it's a free agent, and like, what about this guy? What about this guy? Do you think this is the start of a move for the DH market with Reese Hoskins now signing in Milwaukee and that a Blue Jay will get their guy coming soon here? I definitely think it's the belt to get the ball rolling. 
But mm-hmm. the one thing you missed about that contract, he does have an option after year one. Okay. Okay. I so, thought it was a two-year deal. It was a one, two years of uh, option after the first year. Okay. So it's possibly he may not like it in Milwaukee since they're in a bit of a youth movement if you look at their outfield, but that's mm-hmm. for a different podcast. So I think it's about to be time for a jock jam, uh, pun intended, for a jock A, a jock jam, yeah. <laughs> but Or I'll go solar for Solaire. So I feel like I feel like we're either going to get one or call me crazy, what I've been reading today, that both of them could end up in our lineup to this year. Perfect. Sign us up. We would love that. Riley, um, a quick thought on that before we move on to the Hall of Fame stuff. We need power. That's pure yep. and simple. Where, Period. Where, where, like, let's just put it this way. What is going to give us an average, an average player home run rate of, let's say, 30 home runs a year? Like, I don't know if Jock can do it, possibly. Like, if we're in on one guy, I'm in on Jorge Soler. I know he's a righty bat. We like some of our lefties, but I've already talked about how Horowitz and Barger are both lefty bats as well. Like, it's, I, I would like a Jorge Soler because he can hit and hit for power. And that's what this team needs. We need to produce runs. We need run producers. And we will talk about that when that move does happen, which I would bet is probably coming sooner rather than later. Boys, we've got five minutes left on the show. Let's wrap up with some Hall of Fame talk here that happened here. Congratulations to Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. All three players are officially in the Hall of Fame. Well-deserved, I would say, for all three. Billy Wagner, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones just missed the cut. Some bad news, though. Some former Blue Jays are now no longer on the ballot as Jose Bautista only got uh, ooh, six votes, so not the 5% needed to stay on. And Jose Reyes, who was a Blue Jay, did not get a single vote, and he is no longer Hall of Fame eligible. Some former Blue Jays that are still on the ballot, we have uh, Omar Vizcal, who spent one year in his early 40s with the Toronto Blue Jays, and Mark Burley, who pitched well, is still on the ballot, still have a chance to get in. Um, joining the ballot next year is actually going to be very interesting. A lot of Blue Jays on that list. It, it's headlined by Ichiro, CC Sabathia, and Felix Hernandez, but former Blue Jays, Russell Martin, Melky Cabrera, Curtis Ganderson, and Troy Tulowitzki all on that ballot. Um, Riley, I know you have a lot to say, so you can go first in the Hall of Fame here. Um, want to give a shout out, or do you want to say what Blue Jays are going to get on next, or wherever you want to go with this in the Hall of Fame? Take it away. Me take oh my it God. away. Yeah. Okay. Jesse, go ahead. Give us your first thought. I'm scared, scared to say this, but the, I don't really think Roy, Roy Holiday was the last Blue Jay to be a Hall of Fame with how the franchise has been going. Don't think Edwin will get in. Don't think uh, any of the current Jays right now will, will be going in. So I think it'll be the, the late, great Doc Holiday. Definitely uh, happy to see some players that I grew up watching. Mauer, Hilton, just going in. The main reason why I played, wanted to be a catcher and first base when I was growing up. So it's definitely great to see them yep. go in. Um, don't sleep on Russell Martin's Hall of Fame candidacy for what it's worth. Um, if you include uh, catcher war, which is something Russell Martin really helped on the defensive side, he has a higher war than Joe Mauer. And Joe Mauer was just a first ballot Hall of Famer. So he might be the only one. But I agree with you. Unless Vlad has a Hall of Fame career, which think we're kind of skeptical on as of now i think you're right jesse that that is the call there um riley thought on the hall of fame let me wrap this all into one i'm gonna say yeah, bobachette has a great chance too. 2500 sure. is the new 3000 as far as hits okay. um and i believe that there's a great chance bobachette gets 2500 hits um 
Adrian Beltre deserved to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Hot take. I don't personally think Joe Mauer deserved it for a ton mm. of reasons. I'm sure there's a there's a million videos on YouTube right now that talk about Joe Mauer. And um, Todd Helton, my favorite first baseman from my childhood, made it. I will eat my face next year if Billy <laughs> Wagner does not get into the Hall of Fame. They closing pitcher shame so bad. Mariano Rivera got 100% of the votes. 100%. Man, mm-hmm. 100%. That is crazy. I believe the only player in history to get 100% or whatever. Um, Regardless. And next year, I think that the only player that's going to be a first ballot that should be is Ichiro. And that is a no-brainer. Ichiro yes. is a Hall of Fame. That is an absolute no-brainer. Uh, as far as our Blue Jays guys, like – the progression is 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 not looking in favor of guys like Mark Burley. And it sucks. Hey, Bautista had a good career. His prime wasn't long enough. Jose Reyes, um, I think a couple things are holding, you know, him from it. He was a very good player for a very long time. Um, and then the other one, Gary Sheffield, not on the ballot. I mean, that comes down to steroids. Uh say what you want about steroid users. It was the most exciting era of baseball. And, you know, was Gary Sheffield the face of baseball? Certainly not. He played for a lot Todd of Todd Helton wasn't either. And he's in the Todd, Hall of Fame. So. Todd Helton was the face for a franchise. Sure, that might be different. Gary You're Sheffield right. was never the face of the Florida Marlins, the Padres. Use Gary Sheffield on Immaculate Grid, by the way, folks. We've got a ton <laughs> of teams. L.A. Dodgers, Tigers, the Yankees Mets. Too. Yankees too. Mets, yeah. yeah. He's everywhere. Anyways, Todd Helton played on a bad Rockies team. And had MVP esque years, even in his decline. You know, as 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 you call it, the 2007 Rockies, the team that you closet love more than you know probably any team that isn't it's named true. the Toronto Blue Jays. It's true. Um, you know, help not their top guy, but they're the Hall of Fame case is so it's crazy. We should just make our own Hall of Fame because there are guys in there that don't <laughs> deserve to be in there. That is guys that do. I mean, Andrew Jones. I am not even going to get started on Andrew Jones. We're running out of time, but there's. There's a lot of good players in the Hall of Fame um, that are rightfully there. I would have assumed Maurer would have gotten in eventually, but for him to be first ballot Hall of Famer, I think it's a little bit crazy. Did not have the longevity or prime, but he did. I read this before. Here's some food for thought for both of you. A catcher leading the league in batting average is like a quarterback leading the league in rushing yards. I read that, and I thought ah, interesting. that – that is good. I thought about that, and I thought that is a very good case. It sold me a little bit, but didn't change me enough. Um, put Billy Wagner in the Hall of Fame because that's let's stop being stupid. One thought on Billy Wagner before we go. Um, the only pitcher in Major League Baseball history with 900 innings pitch and a whip below one. No one else in the game has ever done that. But if we were to make our own Hall of Fame, guys... All three of us would be on it, and that's something I can guarantee. That's going to do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please make sure to like the video. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube if you have yet to do so. Please make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, where we're going live, and we're going to be going live for more episodes throughout the season. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. Anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find us here on Buds and Blue Jays. Jesse, great to have you on the show. I'm sure it won't be the last time. Thanks for making your debut with us here today. Glad to make an appearance, and hope to see you guys soon. You bet. We'll see you guys next week when we discuss catchers and outfielders. Until then, guys, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.